2: Richie Maybe on Walker. Pew. Pew!
1: That'll do it! That will do it! Pew for Bob! The roof of the gold sands is raised! Everyone here knows what that could mean to this football club! Hello and welcome to episode 127 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. During the summer, we will be putting out podcasts every so often, so they won't necessarily be your usual Monday morning download. However, keep an eye on your podcast app as we will be dropping some content whenever there's some AFC Bournemouth news. Now, earlier this week, Chris Temple from BBC Radio Solent released a chat with Cherry's chairman, Jeff Mostyn. The first time that he's chatted at length for about four years. And it was an interesting chat. He sounded almost re-energised. He sounded motivated and he didn't sound fearful about the club's future. After listening to the chat, some fans on Twitter and the forums, they're still asking questions. Some are content. But I guess that's the nature of being a football supporter, isn't it? And in this podcast, I'm joined by Tom Jordan, Jeff Hayward and Chris Temple himself to chat over what we learned from the Chairman's Chat. Now, if you want to listen to the whole BBC Sounds interview, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash mostin. That's with a Y, of course. And that will then redirect you to the BBC Sounds website or app where you can take a listen. It's a 36-minute piece and... To me, it reinforced that Jeff's a guy that is invested into the club, both financially but also emotionally, as his voice broke, actually, whilst telling the story about his personal devastation at recent events at the club in terms of relegation and not bouncing straight back. I've never met Jeff myself, but he was well-spoken as ever, of course. He sounded focused. And he also provided an apology of sorts as well in terms of the board's communication with fans. There's also an explanation on managerial appointments and also we then go on in this podcast to talk about Scott Parker. Is he in? Is he out? It looks like he's out at the moment but we've got to analyse the chance of him coming to Bournemouth and, well, why would he? So, let's get stuck in. So, Jeff Hayward and Tom Jordan are here. Jeff, how you doing, sir?
3: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, sorry to be confusing. We're talking about two Jeffs today, so hopefully we'll make that clear for people.
1: And also, Tom
0: Jordan's here. Tom, you're right. All good, thank you. Nice to hear from another Jeff, whether it's Jeff Lerma, Jeff Mostyn, Jeff Hayward. I'm always happy to hear it, Jeff.
1: (laughs) And, you know, before we bring in our next guest, Jeff Hayward, nice to hear from the board rather than a letter. That's what we had uh, about a year ago, didn't we?
3: Well, that that was one of the most important things. This time last year, there was a letter from uh, Max, which actually was uh, full of enthusiasm and positivity about getting back in the Premier League. And, and I think actually set quite a positive tone. But but hearing voices, hearing real people, you want to hear what they've got to say. You want to hear the tone of their voice and how they respond to difficult questions, which is what Chris Temple is renowned for, obviously. Um and and that's what you want to hear. You know, you, you can't get the same feelings out of a letter. So that was uh, that was good to hear.
1: Mm, it'd be interesting to hear what Chris has to say. And he's here with us
2: today. Chris from BBC Radio Sent, How are you? Hello, lads. It is a pleasure to be with you. Very well. Thank you.
1: And Chris, you've had a couple of trips to the northeast recently. Are you looking forward to the Euros?
2: I am looking forward to the Euros, yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be a different role for me, this one, although I'm, uh, I am the stadium announcer at Wembley for, for all the games, including the final. Um, I have to be neutral. So even though England are, uh, are playing in those games, and I am the England announcer, I have to be 50-50. So that is going to be uh, a new challenge. But uh, hopefully, by drawing attention to that fact now, I, I won't get picked apart on it.
3: You've had some great tips from Willow on that this season, haven't you, though, God.
2: Goodness me! I tell you what, if I had a fence as uh, as well supported as Willow's one that he sat on all season, I'd be I'd be well off.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely love it! Well, we'll turn our attention towards the interview that you conducted with Jeff Mostyn. It's about thirty five minutes long, as I said. And Chris, how did it come about?
2: It came about because obviously, you know, a lot of us, including the you know the lads from the Bournemouth Echo and other people, have been asking for, for a while. I mean, four years we're asking, not every week, of course, but periodically when things, major things happen, uh, we'll always ask a question. We, we've got to know what the answer will be. But as they always say in any any situation, really keep knocking at the door, eventually it will open. And I think, you know, this time when we asked and said, is there a, you know, a chance of doing something around the new manager the summer? You know, it's been obviously a, a big transitional period as well um you know this time I think the club realised that actually probably it was time that somebody needed to say something. Quite a lot has gone on, particularly in the last year. Um, so I think they realized that it was probably the time to, to put someone forward. Mm.
1: Jeff and uh what did you make of what was said? And uh it was I mean I don't think much new was learned, was it?
3: Well I I, I would uh I would agree with that. It it felt it felt like Jeff was was communicating the party line, and I completely understand why he would do that. It also felt a little bit weird, Chris, about the timing, because no players have been sold, none bought in, the manager's yet to be appointed, and yet he's given this sort of state-of-the-nation interview with you before the really big decisions that need to happen in the next week or so start sort of filtering through. Did, did you think it was slightly curious that he, he, was, he sort of wanted to look back rather than look too much forward?
2: I think it was uh, I think it was more a situation of sort of reflecting on the last year because uh, obviously the board ongoing discussions about the new manager situation was ongoing at the time of of recording this interview we recorded it at the back end of last week Um, so the discussions have been going on for a few days so I think it was based around the fact that the board had had this meeting the the strategy and again I I saw people sort of responding saying you know it's it's now the time to be having a strategy meeting haven't they been thinking about this strategy for months and and weeks of course they have Um, but this was just uh, I guess, a, a focal point. Travel has been difficult, quarantining issues, of course. They can't meet face-to-face, all those kind of things. So from that situation, I think it was more bringing everything together. And I think just off the back of that, yes, you're right. It would have probably made a little bit more sense to do it once the new manager was in post. But let's not forget as well that players aren't around. The new manager's not going to have a chance to work with his squad for, for some time yet. The new manager himself, whoever it may be, you know, may not even be at the club for the next, next month or so because no one's there. So um, yeah, from that point of view, I think probably trying to get a few things addressed before the new manager situation came up and almost draw a line so that when the new manager is appointed, that is the start of the next chapter, if you like. Yeah, I
0: was going to say as well, you were saying, Chris, about um, how, you know, obviously you knock on the door all the time and then obviously they eventually have decided that this is the time to maybe have a chat with yourself and get out to the supporters. Do you think that this supporters experience group is another way of trying to bridge that gap? I know he mentioned about that. Is that another way of just trying to get the communication a little bit better to the fans, potentially?
2: Yeah, I think it is. If it, if it happens, uh, you know, I've heard of things like this before where it hasn't quite, you know, gone the way that fans would want it to go. So as long as they're good to their word on that and they are accessible, and again, it's not going to be, you know, Jeff and Neil Blake giving out their phone number and inviting people around for tea for for a chat, but it's got to be done in the right way because you know, ultimately, when supporters are back in the stadium, you know, as we all know, a club's a club support base is the, the lifeblood of that club. So yeah, I, I'm hoping that that will be, you know, open up channels. And Jeff mentioned it in the interview that you know he. Uh, could do better in terms of certain things the board could do better and I think you know they did acknowledge looking back there was a lot of chat about hindsight um, you know about some of the decisions that they made that it would be easy to to have a second chance but, but hopefully now you know that little bit more accountability I think that's, that's what fans want when you pay your money you just want somebody to front up and, and face the music sometimes if it's not going well and you know I know Jeff's been criticised in the past for only appearing when things were going well and disappearing when they weren't going so well um, so you know uh, hopefully a, a change of record on that point of view as well
1: Mm. I found it quite interesting with the way you asked some questions and the way he responded sort of it seemed PR led. For instance, you were talking about the fans fears about how much will Max be involved? Will he be involved um, on going in the championship now that we're a championship club? And then Jeff then referred back to the fact that, well, he joined when we were in League One. Um, So he didn't actually really answer what's going to happen in the future really but he seemed to be very buoyant um he seemed to be he, he sounded very positive I've got to say but is it a case that you know Jeff Mostyn he he can't really speak for Mac so he's not going to make any bold statements to say that yes he's going to be involved for x amount of years or whatever he he can't
2: really do that can he? No, you have to add a little bit of a, a I guess, a pinch of salt to, to some of it, because ultimately Jeff's role has changed as well. Often at football clubs, the chairman is the figurehead. They make all the decisions. You know, often the chairman is the owner as well at, at football clubs. Not the case at Bournemouth. And therefore the the power that Jeff has, he's a member of the board, but a lot of the decisions are probably taken by other people with his input, of course. So, yes, there is an element of, and again, backing Neil Blake and Richard Hughes, you'd expect him to, because there, there is board members. And they don't want to upset him. And as you say, there's a bit of a, a club PR line on that. So we didn't really learn sort of too much on that point of view. But I think... The question had to be asked. A lot of people have said, you know, have the, has the club been run in the right way? And therefore he is the, the man who is under the microphone. So answers the questions. And obviously, as we know, he's, he's a very good public speaker, Jeff, and yeah. um, could, could chime his way out of the, the most difficult situation. So, yeah, you know, in terms of Max's future, Max isn't going to speak. So the next best thing we can get is is somebody who's pretty close to him. And I think, as you heard Jeff say, they're still very close, even if the, the working relationship between Max and Jeff is maybe not quite as direct as it is between Max and and Neil Blake and Richard Hughes. Do
3: you get a sense, Chris, that they know what they're doing in terms of the managerial appointments? I mean, we had that whole sequence when Jason left and we had Thierry Henry. We had, I mean, you know, there there were so many people being talked about. David Wagner, Patrick Vieira, John Terry. And then it was Jonathan Woodgate who'd been at the club already two days. And I'm just wondering, as we're sort of at this point now, where I think everybody on this conversation, probably everybody listening thinks woodgate's not going to get it now after listening to this interview, and probably Scott Parker is the one being lined up to come in if media reports are to be believed but but actually, do we have any certainty about that after the merry go round of names earlier in the year
2: I think the the Tyndall exit woodgate entry a um, couple of weeks would definitely go down as. Something they would do differently again. I I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, My understanding is that um, before Jonathan was appointed, they were quite close to appointing somebody else, and something late in the process changed, and therefore, I guess the as you say that the roundabout had to start turning again. And they, you know, because let's face it, Jonathan was doing fine. Uh, He wasn't doing brilliantly. He wasn't doing bad. He was doing fine, having come in into a difficult situation. So um, yeah, they probably thought it was a case ultimately of take a take a massive risk on somebody completely new or with a little bit of stability give jonathan a chance and that's what they did um as in terms of where they go from here i've got to be honest with you i'm i'm pretty much as in the dark as as you guys are i've seen the reports in uh, on scott parker which is somebody who i have been told in the past was very much high on the list um that the complication with scott parker of course is that he's at a different club. Um, he's unlikely to get sacked by them, so would need some, some compensation in terms of persuading him to walk away from there. Um, in terms of whether it's an attractive um, move for Scott Parker, I, th- I think it probably is, because I think he's not too enamoured with things from what, you, what I gather behind the scenes at Fulham. Um, having just taken a club down, ideal time for a fresh challenge, isn't it? Uh, and let's face it, who doesn't want to come and live in Bournemouth in the summer? So yeah. it's a good time to be appointing a manager when the sun's out and the uh, Bournemouth's looking beautiful. Did you get from when you spoke to Jeff, Chris, did you get the feeling without, obviously,
0: like you say, you're, you're just as aware as we are. Did you get the feeling that he knows who the manager's going to be and they, they've already know and they're just finalising things? Have they already made the decision, do you think, just just as an opinion or...
2: I think um, again, just just hearing one or two bits. I think they were down to maybe three or two names. I don't think it was absolutely finalised. Um, so I, I think that's where we were at at the time of recording that interview. And um, this was, I said, we recorded it before the weekend. So um, you know, a few days on now, I'm not sure where we're at. But I think you know, knowing what they're like, and they they have been working behind the scenes for most of the second half of the season on potential candidates. It hasn't just been since you know the team failed to go up. Um, So, yeah, I I think uh, hoping for this week, I think, is the aim for for an announcement.
1: And do you think the, the hindsight, obviously, all these names were leaked somehow. And recently we've heard nothing for ages and fans have got really disappointed and frustrated about the fact that we're not hearing
2: anything. Do you think that's one of the lessons that they learned? Uh, Yes, I think it is. I think that the the frustration, particularly when things aren't going well, I mean, you know, do you need to hear from anybody when things are going really well? Probably not, because it just echoes what everybody else is thinking anyway. So I think, you know, when things aren't going well, particularly when there's been some decisions that haven't been, you know, uh, outwardly that obvious, and there seems to be, and there's sort of various reports. And by the time you've got all these rumours and reports and, and everything merged together, it does end up sounding like a bit of a mess. So sometimes you do need to have somebody who knows what's been going on to come out and you know, put a few fires out. And I think that's probably what, what Jeff was doing with, with this, just sort of damping down a few flames on certain things. Um, and yeah, using it, as, a, as I said earlier, that chance to, to draw a line and hopefully with a few things tied up, but obviously still some a few questions to answer, you know, things like the stadium and things are, are yeah. ongoing questions, but all he could do is tell us where the club are at, at the moment. Hmm.
3: Well, what's your sense about the mood of the club? Do you think they, they're feeling good about making that leap back to the Premier League next season?
2: I think it all depends on who stays, Jeff, to be honest with you. I really think it depends on what they could do with the squad. And that the knock-on of that is who they bring in as a manager. And can that manager persuade any of those big guns to stay? Um, if a Scott Parker comes in, you know, with a, having just come out of the Premier League with a reputation for, for playing good football, um, you know, maybe he, he's got some clout to to, uh, to persuade one or two of the... You know, I'm not saying the Dan Juma's. I think we can forget about Dan Juma. He's, yeah. he's going to go for sure. Uh, I, I would be pretty surprised if Jefferson Lerma was still a Bournemouth player by the start of... Uh, next season. I know he can't play in the, the first six games anyway now, but, um, and so, you know, one or two of the others who are a bit more middle of the road, people like David Brooks and, you know, maybe Lloyd Kelly, maybe even Dom Solanke, you know, those kind of players. C- could a, a new manager persuade some of them to give it one more season in the championship? Again, for the likes of Brooks, a lot depends on the Euros, I think, for him. If he has a, if he does a, has a good Euros for Wales that could that could be his exit sealed as well. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, Jeff, I've gone a bit round the houses, but I think the mood of the club is at the moment up in the air because it depends with so much changing in personnel, management, and player wise. I think people will will judge their mood probably a couple of weeks before the start of the new season, maybe rather than uh, rather than now when there's so much that can still change. Mm. so whilst we might not have learned loads i mean i liked
1: certain things that he said uh use the phrase with a vengeance we will be coming back i want to make this a year to remember so you know that's always something positive that i'm certainly clinging on to so it, yeah you know, it's going to be very interesting and i'm sure the week ahead in terms of managerial appointments will be interesting too chris thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it and um i'm glad that you managed to get
2: some words out of the board it's um excellent to excellent to see no problem. And I, can I just add at this time while I'm on as well that I, uh, I'm a regular Monday listener to your uh, weekend wrap ups and it's been thoroughly enjoyable all season. So uh, kudos to you, Sam, and to you, Tom and Jeff as well, and Neil, who I know, and Mr. Tiggs and all the team who work regulars.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. That's Chris Temple from BBC Radio State. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Michael Botto making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So there we go. There was the man who spoke to Jeff Mostyn himself. And um, yeah, as Chris said, you know, a very interesting chat with uh, the chairman, Jeff. And look, what was your opinion on, on what was said? I mean, we spoke about the fact that we feel as though we may not have learned much that's new. There's a few voices on Twitter that are saying words to the effect that well, Mr O said, 36 minutes, I won't get back. Sigh. Maxim did it all by himself. No mention of Eddie. Any mistakes are acceptable and non-accountable because they were made in the club's best interest. We've got AFCBZ, who's saying, that the interview just made me disconnect with the board even more. He spent the majority of the interview dodging questions and not giving stray answers. Straight-laced thoughts now that Chris has gone?
3: <laughs> well, I do I. mean... I work in PR and I, I know when you're giving PR answers and there are, there are PR answers and there are answers that great on you when they're PR answers. And if I have to hear one more time that that was our seventh best season ever, when everybody knows, we all know that for the squad that we had, that was an underperforming season. So don't put it in that context because it winds us up, you know, that sort of thing that does great. I think also just, that some of the some of the um, yeah you can blame hindsight and say you know if we all had hindsight it'd be a wonderful thing but just put your hands up and say sometimes more honestly I think we were wrong we got it wrong and we're sorry we've learned from those mistakes and we'll do better that's that's what people want to hear I think more and the whole sort of appointment of Jason I mean he, he had no experience you know we're there talking about getting back to the Premier League and. And I don't think you need a degree in hindsight to say that was a high-risk decision. And Jason, yeah, he did deserve an opportunity. Maybe not at our maybe somewhere else.
1: Mm. Yeah, and look, there are certain things that he said as well, such as A.D. Boothroyd said to him about the fact that if England under-21s could play at Dean Corp every single game, they would. I bet you A.D. Boothroyd says that to everyone. Of course he does, Tom. Doesn't he? <laughs> probably, but yeah, it is, it is a nice ground, isn't it? They always keep the pitch well and stuff like
0: that. I'm, I'm sure they do enjoy it, and it's a nice place to. Booth. I'm sure Andy probably meant it's nice to come around Bournemouth. Do you know what I mean for a for a weekend or whatever? But yeah, listen, I think um, Jeff was just spot on there, Jeff Hayward. I mean, um, in in terms of you know, sometimes you just you you hear things and it, and it does great on you. I think you know we set, spoke off air, didn't we? That you know Man City wouldn't come out. After losing the Champions League final, and say, yeah, but we were in League One. Not that, it's just you know, the, the goalposts changed. And mm. they say the squad we had, you know, we, we should have been should have been trying to get promotion, which we, which we did. But it was a disappointing season. Just say that. Don't say it's our seventh best. It's, you know, it's kind of irrelevant now. Um, and I think that could be a bit frustrating because Jeff Moston will always be a legend of this football club, what he's done for the football club. But you don't need to keep telling us that we are aware. And I'll always mm. love Jeff Mostyn, but. Yeah, there were a few things. The hindsight thing uh, uh, frustrated me because it was you can say it once or twice, but it was constant with ev- basically every question that was kind of um, a little bit negative in the sense that you know we failed to get promotion, the managerial decision wasn't correct. It was always yeah. Well, you can say that in hindsight, but you can't do that. You can't go around life just if you make a bad decision, just going hindsight though. You know you can't do that. Just just put your hands up a little bit. Like it was that was what was a little bit frustrating is. I totally appreciate what he's saying. In hindsight, Jason didn't work, but I reckon 90% of Bournemouth fans, which I reckon is a fair opinion, 90% knew it wouldn't work.
2: Mm. So you're
0: the man, and as a board, you're the ones that make them decisions. So you should know more than 90% of the fans. So, you know, I I was very, you know what I'm like, I'm very sentimental, and I I was kind of like, I'm backing Jason now, you know, he Mm. deserves that opportunity, but I'm not the one that should be making them decisions. So, you should know, really, when you go down to it, you go, we wanted to get promoted at the first attempt and hmm. show that there's not a massive sign of intent when you're employing someone who's never done the job. Um, but listen, yeah, we I, I didn't really think anything of the interview in the sense it's always nice to hear from someone like that, like you say, better than a letter. But it was kind of it was weird because I didn't know what I was expecting. But it was what I expected. I don't, there was nothing mm. to you Do you know what I mean?
1: One of the things with regards to Jason's appointment, he he said the quote, it was a gamble. He said, we didn't have the usual May to August close season. Yeah, of course, exceptional circumstances. Jason put himself forward. He also went on to say, Maxim felt he deserved an opportunity. So who are we as a fan base, Jeff? Who are we to question the guy that's ploughed £160 million into the club? But then you think, on the other hand, surely it should be football decisions being made by footballing people, if that if that's the case, if he had that much sway, I don't know.
3: I mean, look, Sam, we could run a whole podcast still on what happened with Eddie leaving and Jason coming on, couldn't we? I mean, it's it's a year ago nearly now that all happened. Did Eddie want to go? Did Eddie not want to go? We still don't know. Did 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 the did the board see it coming or did they not? You know, with that mm. there was there was there was time back then where we all thought. Eddie's going to stay. And mm. it it almost felt that we were put on the back foot by the decision, whatever, whoever took it, that Eddie and the club parted company. So it was then, uh, oh, what do we do now? And I don't think there was really a plan in place, which makes you just feel, um, yeah, just completely unsettled still about what went on and mm. and how much of a factor that had on the entire season. I think... He's, he's absolutely right. You know, there was no 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 period for messing about. You had to get the players back in after two weeks of the season ending to back in for pre-season to start. Continuity was massive. And so Jason seemed like a logical decision. But we don't really know what went on, do we still? No,
1: no. We, we don't know. Uh, you know what? And when Chris asked him the questions about, do you believe the club is in the right hands? He said... Max does, and I absolutely do. And he sang the praises, especially of Richard Hughes, saying he's incredible, speaks five languages, he's so well respected in his part of the business. He has been offered, yeah, he has been offered other opportunities, yet he's still with us. So, as far as Jeff Mostyn's con- concerned, Tom, we are in good hands going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously going to say that, but yeah, and we don't listen. We don't know uh, what happens, to the ins and outs of the football club just kind of repeat what Jeff was saying there in the sense that we can only go off what we see happening and what we hear happening. And it just screams of panic, doesn't it? That you get, you get relegated. You've got this you know legend at the helm who for some reason decided to leave or, you know, parted ways or whatever. And then, yeah, COVID probably played a part, but it seems our oh, panic, give it to the assistant because, you know, the fans will accept that because he's a legend. So we'll just give it to him. And then even with other decisions, like, um, Okay, our oh, Callum Wilson, right. Okay, we'll let him go because that's a good bit of money. Should we look for a replacement? No, no, we'll be all right. Um, yeah. Oh, no, Jason's not doing very well. I will give it to someone else. Oh, my God, look at all these names that have come in we could get. I don't know which one to pick. Just give it to okay, Woodgate. He's already here. It, it all just – we can only go off what we're seeing and hearing. And you put all of that into context, that screams panic, doesn't it? We don't actually know. I can't tell you if Rich Hughes is good at his job or not. I can't because I don't know. But as a fan base, we just go off what we know and what we see – and all of what I've just listed there over the course of the season just screams panic and doesn't look like a thought in process. Mm. And very interesting to see what happens going forward, because how much have they learned from it? You know, if they if they go and get in a manager that they've been looking at for a long time. And if it was to be, say, a Scott Parker, that's the one that's mainly linked at the moment, mm. get him off another club um, in Fulham. So there's a bit of, they're obviously... Happy to pay, you know, Fulham compensation, all that things because he's obviously a long term, and that would at least show some sort of ambition and a project and what they want to see going forward. I think mm. Jason Tindall and Woodgate both screamed panic, and I think I just want to see an appointment because listen, I'm not really going to be happy with any appointment unless it's Eddie Al, because I just mm. want Eddie out. But I, I, I think that if it's an appointment that I feel has been looked at and they've really thought about it, I think that's enough. I think that's what we want to see, and if we are to sell players. Let's, do we replace them? Do we look like that? Is there a plan? Um, I think that's just what you want to see. And the thing about giving Jason the job in the first place, I think you look at when we gave Eddie the job, the lower league teams at the bottom that haven't got a pot to piss in. They're the ones that mm. give kind of the youth manager a chance or the assistant manager a chance because you think, well, I might as well. Not when you've got one of the best squads in the championship and you need to go up the Premier League. I think that was the, the frustration amongst fans. But listen, the proof be in the pudding, won't it? Let's see what happens. It
3: was interesting Sam what he said about transfers. Business as usual. It will be this summer. Now what's yeah. that mean because yeah. we sold three players for 80 million last summer and didn't bring mm. anybody in. So
1: <laughs> is that yeah is that the usual we should be expected to see over the next few weeks and months? We don't know. I mean look, we need to give the board credit for coming out and actually speaking. Look, I mean it, he said The reason we're having this conversation is because of Maxim. Uh, He also said nobody's more disappointed than Maxim for not uh, making the Premier League, uh, bouncing back at our first attempt. And look, fans criticise you know, Obviously, we're all very, you know, there's a lot of gratitude that goes towards him for the amount of money that he's put in and for his time and effort and dedication. And we all know that story with Gerald Krasner and the way he helped to save the club. One of his criticisms is he always comes out when it's good news only, but let's be fair. We've not had a great season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, seventh best in the premier, you you know, sorry, seventh best in our history or whatever. Um, but even still, we haven't given the talent that we had, but Jeff, he's fronted up. He's fronted up and he has come out and yes, he's, he hasn't said what we want to hear. I mean, what do we actually even want to hear? What would have been the thing that we would have wanted to hear?
3: Well, we're in a funny time. As I, as I said to Chris, you know, it feels like this is kind of a transition time where new manager, tra- transfer coming and, comings and goings, what the shape of the side's going to be, what the shape of the squad will be next season, we don't really know. And and um, I think the the big sense I got from that interview was really Jeff Mostyn, there's a recognition there that the club needs to connect with the fans better. Mm. Um, Tom made that point, you know, about the, the new supporters group, which I think, you know, is, is really important. I want to see more of them fronting up, whether it's Jeff Mostyn coming out more, just saying, doing interviews like this when, when we've got harder news to actually talk about. And, you know, I'd love for, for him to come onto the podcast, someone from the club to come onto the podcast and talk with us. But um, that, that, I think, should be a good thing. That they're going to connect more with the fans, and, and um, we all feel a little bit more disconnected, disconnected from our club because of what's gone on, COVID, and everything. The season itself has been uh, a tough one for us, um, and I don't feel that we've really we've really connected with our club since since before fans were were kicked out. Really, since before that Palace game, you mm. know.
1: Uh, Yeah, He said there's never been a conscious decision not to engage. He did go on to say, you may not be hearing directly from us, but every single message from the club is the board speaking to you. We're engaging through the right channels. But he did say, I want to apologise to our supporters if you felt there was a disconnect. He said, we could do better. This supporters' experience group, the first meeting of which Tom's on the twenty third of June. It's a it's a relationship, a newly well, not, he he said a new relationship initially, but he didn't really mean new. He just wants to kind of rekindle that relationship again. What does this mean for organisations like Cherry's Trust? Because I thought that's what they were supposed to be doing, but. You know, from what I've seen, there are people who've been tweeting them on social media. I've heard nothing from them from the past two months. And, you know, they got a social media guru there that, that hasn't that isn't putting anything out. So I've got no idea what's going on with them.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. It does seem a bit odd. And then obviously, like you say, with this supporters group, is that why we haven't potentially heard from them because they're in some sort of discussions? I'm not sure. Um you know, it's, it's again, it's what I've been saying about kind of the ball and stuff. I don't know really what goes on at the Cherries Trust. You know, I mean, I know a few of them, and um, obviously, I was fortunate enough to go on with them. And speak yeah. to Jason, so I know they've done, but I don't, I don't know exactly what their role is and what they do in the connection with the with the uh, club. But to be fair to Jeff, he's trying. You know, he's obviously trying to get that connection back, and I think it's I I follow a lot of kind of football fans on on social media and stuff, not just Bournemouth. I, I think it's important to remember it's not just Bournemouth. I think a lot of clubs. Feel they want to hear more from their mm. from their you know the people at the club. I think that's um, happens a lot. It's not just at Bournemouth, and I think at least you know Jeff is trying to obviously get some sort of connection there. Um, COVID, as we've as we've mentioned, hasn't helped that. But um, and I think it was important, like you mentioned earlier, that he's come out now rather than you know waiting and then say we get promoted, then he comes out because everyone will go oh, yeah now you're back. So you know credit to him for that. But I think there's got to be a respect on on both sides. So I think the Jeff has got to appreciate that from a from a fan's point of view, you know some of the decisions we all thought were a bit baffling at times and you know and you didn't keep Eddie and then you've done this done that, so we need to hear more from you. we want to know what's going on, you know we're the supporters of the football club you know and stuff like that, so I think that's fair um and I think it's also fair for us fans to realize that. He can't, what is he supposed to say? He can't come out and exactly, go, yeah. he, can, he can't come out and go, right, we're just, what, the only thing we want him to, what do we want him to say, right? Maxim said he's going to give me 500 million, uh, we're going to get Ake back. You know, he, what's he supposed to say? It's yeah. just, we, we mentioned off air, didn't we? It's just like with the players, I feel for them sometimes, they get, they've just lost the game, they get called over to have a pre match chat. And they say, uh, we're, we're back, we'll try our best to bounce back on Tuesday night. And everyone goes, oh, why didn't you do it today? Well, what do you want him to say? He's not going to say, yeah, we're, we're crap and we might be crap again Tuesday. You, do you know what I mean? It is really difficult. And I think there's got to be a level of, of respect. And, you know, just, you know, think about it realistically from both sides, from both sides. And he has come out and the proof will be in the pudding, Well, it? will all be in the actions now. You know, you can speak, it'll be, as I've said before, it was the fact that, you can say what you want to say. We felt that some of the actions that were made, whether it be managerial transfers, et cetera, et cetera, weren't the right ones. Well, let's let's wait and see what happens now, because we're going into another massive season and let's see if we're we're really going for it again. Let's we'll have to just
1: wait and see. I think he played it very safe with what he said, but I think he had to, don't You know, people can twist whatever they want, however they want on Twitter. So he was very carefully wording. Uh, the things he said. I mean, last night I posted a tweet that make AFC Bournemouth look brilliant. It was a tweet from John Sharkey talking about the last five matches against the European champions and AFC Bournemouth won three, drawn one, lost one. Barcelona won one, drawn three, lost one. There was AC Milan, Atletico, Man City, Real Madrid. You know, like, and those are stats and facts that you can, you can interpret all these things very differently. I think he was just Maybe saying a few things very carefully so fans weren't, weren't able to twist it. But one of the things, one of the sort of statements with Maxim's incredible support, we will go forward. Yeah. OK, that's, you know, that sounds a positive thing. He talked about the old stuff. People need to understand that his support has been unwavering. He's invested over 160 million. He's, ne- he's never taken money out and he never will. The board are our best in the face of adversity, also there's no way that Max would ever leave this football club in a perilous state. That I can assure you. So, as a Bournemouth fan, that's you know used to like in the '90s putting money in you know pots, you know pots and you know buckets. That's that makes me feel a little bit better, Jeff.
3: It does. Um, we all want the club to succeed, and we've all got an opinion. That's what being a fan is all about. I think. I think we trust the board because we have to we don't have it you know we don't elect these people they're they're there because they're they're running the business it's a business after all and they're they're the people they obviously want to make sensible decisions because I'm sure Max doesn't want to lose 160 million quid every year no and you know he, he he wants he wants success because he wants a return on that investment as do all the other investors at the club mm. and that's also part of the the trust thing that I think as fans we don't often feel that way because we just want to see the team win games on the pitch they they see it as money mm. and they've got to make money i think i think what what was interesting about what jeff says is you know they put fans first as their top priority as well which is really interesting so the second i think second he said was success on the pitch well actually most fans we probably want success on the pitch really mm. first right you know it's different and and that i think is is pring that connection again um However, what he did say as well, stats can be dangerous because they won three games with fans in the stadium, seven yeah. goals, none against. So, does that mean we're going to win every game next season when we've got fans yeah. in the vitality? You know, yeah. it, it's not realistic, but fans do make a difference to us. Yeah. They will make a difference being back. We've got the board we've got, they ain't going to change. It's interesting, I think, that he was singing Richard Hughes's praises after yeah. Hughes he might have been going to Celtic. I think that says that Hughes, is probably going to stick around for good or for ill. Like you say, we don't really know if he's any good. What I'd like to see from Richard Hughes are three, se- three close season signings like Arno Danjuma. please. Can we have that? Oh, home? yeah.
1: Give him over, just imagine. Well,
3: well, if you know, he's if, done it once. Do that again, please. Let's have some more of that. That's recruitment. That's quality.
1: If a certain person chucks in some more money, then, you know, maybe that could happen. But whether it will happen or not, I don't know. And look, we're you know, we're all eternally grateful to Maxim. But one of the, not criticisms of Maxim, but obviously it, it said that he's always been focused on maintaining our Premier League position. We didn't manage to do that. But the way they looked at it was invest in the players because then we can slowly build a legacy from it. Now, the training ground is one of the things that hasn't happened. They've prepared the land as much as they possibly can have. If you walk over there at the moment, it's just it's just wasteland, really. But Jeff Monson said it's not totally dependent on the Premier League, the training ground getting built, but it's certainly remaining on hold. Uh, he said relegation is a reason for it pausing. COVID is also a big reason, but he said, Maxim has always made it clear that our vision is to build a successful competitive team. And then he sort of swung it around and not talked about the kind of the failure of the training ground project, but talked about how good our current facilities actually are instead. They're in line with Premier League clubs outside the top six. And Tom, apparently people are blown away with our facilities. Yes, it's a strange one because I'm sure
0: you know we all know as supporters, yeah, if you went back to when jeff moston come into the club i'm sure the training facilities are ridiculously better than they were at the time of course mm. they are so it must be hard because if you compare to that he's going to think the progression of the training ground is amazing what's everyone moaning about but i always say that sometimes if you can get our academy status and stuff higher then we won't have to worry about these the transfers as much because we can bring for our own talent um i remember you know back in the day we were always losing people to southampton academy and stuff because we just couldn't compete well if if our training facilities are that good then, you know, we should be able to bring through more of our own talent then, shouldn't we? And we certainly didn't. We kept saying about this season, you know, we didn't really use any of them, did we? And it doesn't feel like, you know, because the status is not high enough to attract these kind of people. And, um, you know, you've only got to see that this morning, uh, Ben White was introduced to the to the England squad, for example, and he was born in Paul, um, And he went to Brighton because they got better facilities. And this is going to keep happening with, you know, Brighton, Sam Abdon and things like that, unless we... You know, you need to upgrade because it, it changes the academy status and all these things, doesn't it? I don't, don't know exactly how it all works. But, yeah, it is an interesting one. But I'd, it surprises me that they they always talk about it in such a glowing way. And I think, well, why is there no one really coming through then? Because Southampton, for example, God, I hate to speak positively about them. But um, quite often, I saw that in the season, they had so many academy players coming through and on the bench and things like that. And that's because of their, you know, training facilities and the academy status they've got. So, that's something I think I'd almost rather that. Let's let's improve on that. And then you can kind of give more allowances to, so if you don't go and splash loads of money everywhere, it'll be, its much more rewarding if you can bring players through, but that'll be interesting because like I say, we, we sold players for a lot of money. Um, Dan Juma will definitely be sold for a fair bit of cash. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see if we put that back into the, to the playing side of things, um, because we did not did we, we, we signed a couple of loan players at the start of last mm-hmm. season. Um, so, yeah that will be interesting and it'll be interesting if we can get him, if we get a manager in is he does he want to bring his own players in or is he going to be desperate to keep hold of some of the ones we've got mm. it will be it will be- interesting. I almost kind of half hope that people like David Brooks have an unbelievable euros, so then we can't lose because his yeah. his value will go back up again um so but yeah'
1: we'll see what happens yeah well they, look, they, I thought that. They... He sounded very confident and it sounded like there's going to be sort of no issues in the future. Uh, he sounded very assured. As I said, we will be coming back. He said, with a vengeance. I want to make this a year to remember. So who knows? It could be an interesting season. And Jeff, if a lot of the media speculation is to be believed, a certain someone that the club had designs on previously when Brentford played Fulham in the playoff final recently like year before last or whenever it was had uh Brentford got through then Fulham would have been a championship club and it sounds like we'd have been going for him but then uh, Fulham he did get promoted with that narrow 1-0 win Scott Parker became a Premier League manager and he wasn't a target that we could get hold of now Fulham are a championship club and he's the main man apparently Jeff
3: well, there were strong rumours as well when JT was uh, moved on that it was Scott Parker we were trying to get in as a replacement back then and Fulham won a couple of games and he stayed. He didn't get fired, which we thought he was going to be. So is it is it still Scott Parker? There's obviously a lot of admiration for him as a, as a manager. Um, he's relatively inexperienced, but he has got the experience of getting Fulham up. Albeit cool. through the playoffs, and then getting them relegated again. So, uh, I mean, I, I've got to say, watching watching Fulham play this season, they've got several things in common with us. Um, they do try to play the right type of football, um, but also they got the they got the wrong end of some rubbish decisions and got some really bad luck in some of those games that they lost, which, again, was typical of our last season in the Premier League. So maybe he's a perfect fit. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know enough about him.
1: And look, some people are saying he plays exciting football and other people, like you look at Fulham fans and they say it was dreadful. Um, but Is that just a byproduct of getting relegated, Tom?
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, you can never have played great football if you've gone down, really? in my opinion. Um, but... Yeah, it is, a, it is a weird one because he seemed to get so many before he was really probably linked with us. I guess just when talking about when they got relegated, he got. Re- I've never seen someone get relegated and get so many plaudits. I thought you've just hmm. got relegated. He, it, it was weird, and I watched film a few times. I thought yeah, they're okay. They're no better than we were a lot of the time, but they weren't. They had quite a good squad there. Mitrovic is a good striker. They had Lookman in there. Loftus Cheek playing again. They, they had some, the goalkeeper was sensational. Wasn't he? And hmm. I thought they've got a decent squad. I, They could have stayed up. They finished in the end. God knows how many points behind Newcastle were awful Mm. for the majority of the season. So it's a weird one. I would look at it and, you know, if he got the job, I'd say, well, at least there's some planning, like I mentioned earlier, because you would like to, Scott Parker, if he's chosen to go to Bournemouth over Fulham, who have got, you know, just gone down, parachute payments, things like that. There's still, there's not really, you wouldn't have thought Bournemouth should be much more of a, you know, you might as well stay put kind of thing. So he's obviously bought into something if he comes to us. So that, that's a positive. And there's some, you know, a kind of a project kind of feel to it, yeah. that uh, which which is nice, which I think we all want to to see. And there's definitely been some thought into it. But in terms of Scott Parker as a manager, what I've seen, I'm ne- neither here nor there, really. Um, I don't think he's proven a lot. They scrape promotion with a team that should get promoted. We could have nearly done that. Meppen don't get sent off. We could have scraped promotion with Woodgate. And then he went down with Fulham. I thought they had a squad that probably were good enough to stay up. So, yeah, I, I don't. Um, I'm not sure yet. I think you've still got to wait and see with Scott Parker what he's going to be like as, as a manager. But like I say, I would I would take it. It seems what's a weird one is that you, we know what like kind of betting sites that are like. You can bet on anything. You can bet on it snowing on Christmas Day and, blooming, you know, Corf Mullen. But <laughs> yeah. you cannot bet on the next Bournemouth manager. And I, yeah. I don't understand that, which makes me think it's either it's almost like already done so they don't do it like they suspend it when things look almost done don't they um so to me that's either parker's a done deal or or it's just going to be someone internally again because i can't so there's no real other names is there apart from internal no. um the only thing i would have liked to have i like what sheffield united have done personally they've yeah. gone down and they've just gone you can of it you've been there you got
1: promoted you're in we saw, yeah, um, we said that yeah. in the um, in the tier list, didn't we? You know, like he was one of the ones that we'd like David Wagner. But you know, if it is going to be Scott Parker, surely that indicates that Max is having another spin at it because why would he leave Fulham? They got a load of parachute payments, they've you know, they got a rich owner. Why you know, why would he join Bournemouth? So he's obviously you know, joining a project from where some promises have been you know given, you know, made to him about what he can spend. Because if we got no you know, no money to spend, would he would he come to Bournemouth? I think that's the main thing as well. What I was going to
0: say to Craig Jeff, is that if you, like I say, there's no way Scott Parker, leaves Fulham, comes to Bournemouth if he's being told, you're going to lose Dan Juma, you're going to lose Brooks, you're going to lose Solanke, you're going to lose and You can't really spend much of that money. he will go, oh, why yeah. the hell am I coming to you? So yeah. that's what, whatever you think of Scott Parker, like I say, I don't think he's done anything spectacular yet. Um, but there, there must be, there's something for him to move there. And that would be a positive in my book.
1: Does he, have a, does he have a relationship with Adam Smith from his Spurs days? Because Adam Smith's one of the players that were like, you know, are they going to stay or are they going to go? We're not too sure. But obviously that was quite a while ago, what, 2010, uh, that he was on loan with us was was like, I can't remember when Scott Parker was at Spurs, but he might, he might have some kind of relationships with a few players there. He certainly seems to have a close relationship with Richard Hughes. And of course, there's a certain Harry Arter that he knows very well that might have some good words to say about us, perhaps.
3: Perhaps. So it's it's all speculation. I, I I really am not sure. What I think we really have to be careful about is Jeff Mostyn talked about transition season last season. Well actually I thought the season before was probably the big transition where we went down. Hmm. The transition should have been last season going straight back up with that squad. It wasn't. What we've got to be careful about is this ain't another transition season because what happens if you know we don't start brilliantly, it doesn't go brilliantly. We have a run of five defeats in January, which we, you know, specialise in that sort of midwinter dip. Does yeah. Scott Parker then get kicked out and somebody else come in, or are we are we committed to it for the long term? In which case, if we are able to keep players like Brooks, Solanke and Kelly, um, they're going to stay a bit longer than one season. I think this is this is it. This is the last chance for that sort of quality of player that could set us apart.
0: And it's it's a real win or bust season. I think this one. It's a weird one as well, Sam. I'm Just sorry when you were saying about the potential link with Smithy there, which I can't. It might there might be something there because he was there as a kid, he, Smithy. Yeah. Um, then I was thinking, actually, you might know Woodgate quite well. Would they have yeah, been? Yeah. yeah, like Tottenham, and then I'm thinking maybe even in around England, similar time, you know, not too dissimilar in age. So would that be? Would that work? Because then he'd keep Woodgate around, maybe, and Woodgate would then be happy because he's got a good relationship with Parker, and they might even mm. work as a duo. I don't know, but there's a few things like that, isn't there? Carter Vickers, you know. Yeah. A,
1: true. There's, there's so I mean, many little things that I'm thinking. Is there links there? I don't know. What if it was Woodgate, though? What if they come out and say, like, it's Woodgate? I mean, for me, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, and this is the same as, like, back a few months ago where we were talking about, like, nothing against the guy. but And we really hope he does well and will absolutely you know get behind him. He won those seven games in a row, which was absolutely fantastic. And he seemed to bring... A load of mentally jaded players together, smiling again, expressing themselves and playing half decent football and, you know, getting results. So absolutely nothing against him. But for us, it would be a little bit of an anti-climax, Tom. Yeah, I think I think
0: ideally, if you ask most fans, they would because of the respect we've got towards Woodgate, I think we would quite like him to stick around to yeah, be involved. Agreed, and that pro- and if that were the case, that would probably um, be down to a new manager or Woodgate himself because he might have you know he come in as a coach, didn't he? He might have had a little, you know, flirt with a managerial again and go, you know what? I fancy it again. I'm going to drop down a league potentially and, and try and manage. That's you know, credit to him if he wants to do that. But I think, yeah, I think ideally most fans would say, myself included, I'd quite like him to stick around because I think what he'd done well, I can imagine being quite a good motivator. I'd quite like him in there as a, in a coaching role. But um, and again, he's likeable. I like Woodgate, but all the things that we heard um, from Jeff Mostyn with Chris, Saying about you know, kind of, yeah, probably made a mistake with with JT, uh, you know, hindsight and all that stuff, and we want to bounce back, to back with a comeback of a vengeance. You can't then employ Jonathan Woodgate, who is literally, you know, his managerial experience does not is not a signal of intent of trying to get back up to the Premier League. So, yeah, I'd be now I'm more surprised he can't come out and do that interview and then employ Woodgate. In my opinion, now that would not go down well. As much as like we keep reiterating, as you did there, Sam, it's nothing against Jonathan Woodgate. I think nothing, he's a doesn't. top bloke. And I think he'd done kind of, yeah, I've said before, did he do that well? Sixth to six, really. But he brought them together and they were certainly fighting for the shirt again, yeah, which yeah. I always like to see. So I've got nothing but respect for Woodgate. But if we want to bounce straight back now and get back to the Premier League, we can't. We've got to show more intent than that.
1: Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So... We've had our break from domestic football. International football, Euros around the corner. Jeff, are you excited or not fussed or how are you feeling about it? Can you see the wall chart
3: behind me there? Oh, <laughs> oh he's got it up. up. He's got That's it like up. His, look at that. Just waiting for the blue tack to stick that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of, sort of, strangely looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the ex cherries do, or mm. current cherries as well. You know, Brooks and Mepham. Be interesting to see how they do for Wales. I see they've got two of their games in Baku, Azerbaijan. I mean, gee, what a trip they. <laughs> Yeah. That is there, um, and, yeah, you know, I think I think it'll be um, interesting, although anyone who's watched the last two England friendlies will probably be thinking, you know what, we, we, what do we think? We ain't got a yeah. chance to
1: play like that. I don't know. And you know what? He may play for Southampton, but James Ward-Prowse should have been in there. He only had one moment that I saw yesterday that he delivered a wicked free kick in, and I just thought, you know what? Why are we putting in another defender? But fair play to Ben White. Fair play, you know, he... He doesn't not deserve to be in there, put it that way. And um, I think
0: Ben White's gone in there because of how bad Mings has looked. Because there's there's fantastic. no way Maguire is going to be fit. And I think he's thought, Oh, it's all right, I'll play Stones and Mings, and then Mings in the two friendlies has just been, as we know, absolute rubbish. So uh, I think that's why he's bought in another centre half, because I just don't think he trusts it's been exposed. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be like Jeff said, it is what I will say, I always do this though, every tournament. Go on, here play. we go, here I, we go. I, I ain't gonna believe again. I'm not putting myself through it. We'll never do, it. do, it. But. do it. But 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 like, I always think that we always go into tournaments having like um the stats are like we've won yeah. every game in the last two years and then we're rubbish at a tournament. And teams like Germany and stuff draw with like Georgia or something and then they always turn up in a tournament. So we you don't want to look too good going into a tournament, you know. Let's let's turn up in it when it matters and um, it's coming home.
1: Tom, stop it. I don't usually care about because I've stop. always club over country, but now I'm starting to believe now. Anyway, Get a few Jeff, anyway don't we? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to win it, Jeff? Who's going to win it? Uh,
3: I think ooh, the Netherlands, I think, will
0: win it. Ooh. Two trophies for Ake will be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think the Dutch Tom, will win it. I think, I think it probably, you know, yeah, I'd like to say England, but I think it'll probably be Portugal. I've, I look, they won the last Euros. And they literally were carried by Cristiano Ronaldo. They didn't have a good squad at all. He won in the Euros. And now I look at them and go, they've still got him. They've got Jota, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Cancelo, Ruben Diaz. They've got a hell of a squad. I, I'm going to go,
1: go Portugal, I think. What do you think? Do, do, you know, do you know who I think is going to win it? Oh, Everyone seems to know Hello, the score. It's coming, it's coming on. On. It's Come on. It's coming Leave. I don't Sam. know. Let's believe. Let's believe it. Oh. Jeff, I put your singing to shame there, there, didn't I? Yeah, You did. It's been a day. oh it's been a pleasure to travel your company today, lads. And uh, look, you know, credit to the club for coming out and doing what they've done. It sounds positive in terms of more support or engagement going forward. Um, and we're gonna hopefully be able to help with that. Whilst we're not gonna be directly involved, um, hopefully we can provide ways of channeling what we gauge through the podcast and also maybe we'll invite some feedback so we can pass it on to a person that can then present it as part of this group of 12, like the 12 disciples uh, going to AOC Bournemouth and uh, having their meeting with uh, Blake Mostyn and co. So yeah, it's a positive thing that he came out and we're all just now waiting the news of who's going to be the next manager. Jeff, thanks for coming on.
3: Thanks for having me, Stan. Good to see you, Tom.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, Tom, Jeff. Cheers, mate.
0: Yeah, cheers, boss. Nice to see you both as always. And like I say, now I just want to hear... I've heard from two Jeffs today. Now I just want Lerman to come out and say I'm staying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you're not a subscriber to our YouTube channel, we'd advise it because we're going to be dropping uh, a lot of content over the summer as we look forward to the new season but also reflect on what we see in the Euros as well. We're not going to go all out talking about England because, well, we're fully aware that AFC Bournemouth's got an international fan base these days, but of course, we'll be keeping an eye on the transfer rumours. David Brooks, who's featuring for Wales, well, he might be one that is going out the door, you never know. Chris Meppham is featuring as well for Wales, and yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on what goes on, but obviously, yeah, when any news breaks, that's where it's going to be, so go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. So, from a personal note from myself Sam Davis I just want to say thank you it's been a bit of a weird year really it's been it's been interesting this is unscripted uh, it's been it's been hard sort of doing what we do but we've really enjoyed doing it because we've seen the community that's developed from it at first of course this was just a podcast and then when it was relaunched with the help of of jeff hayward we sort of thought you know what should we should we do youtube as well and we did that because we find that podcast is quite an investment of time i know that some of you are probably listening whilst doing the dishes in the bath or or driving somewhere to work or whatever but we found that there are some people that look at podcasts and they think well they don't really It's very very difficult to dip in and dip out of a podcast, whereas on YouTube you can. So we started up the YouTube channel um, a couple of seasons ago now and it's grown from strength to strength, especially over the last 12 or more months during lockdown. I think it's come into its own because what we've seen is so many new fans, new faces, but born with fans for a long time that we just haven't known about and haven't heard the opinions from. And that's what I've really enjoyed doing. And as a result of doing what we do, there have been other... YouTube channels of a similar nature that have spawned, and you know that can only be a good thing if it's if it's providing content and a chance for Cherries fans to get involved. Then that's great, and look, it makes our club look less tin pot as well, doesn't it having having a having a big online fan base? Hey, so yeah, we've we've really enjoyed doing it. It's been a challenge, but to be fair, looking forward to to, to sort of taking a break from it now a little bit myself going through a house move and all sorts of bits like that and loads of work to get on with so yeah just gonna try to chill see who afc born with a point and then cheer on england in the euros are we gonna win it no probably not but tell you what we got a good squad and let's just let's just see how we do against uh, the finest sides in europe right thank you very much for listening really appreciated your time over the last hour or so this has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast.